Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crushing It, a weekly series dedicated to high drive, passionate and motivated individuals. I'm your host, Frank Clark, President and CEO of The Mr. Orange. This shows a weekly dose of business, life and personal development principles geared toward bringing out the adrenaline junkie and overachiever in each and every one of you. As a seasoned entrepreneur of over five companies producing hundreds of millions in revenue, I'm going to personally be sharing my stories of success and, of course, my life-defining massive screw-ups, <laughs> as well as featuring inspiring guests, business leaders, athletes, thrill-seekers who just truly want to walk their talk and make life happen. Stick around, and let's get crushing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Orange Crushing It. My name is Frank Clark. I'm the CEO of The Mr. Orange, and I'm excited, excited, excited about today's podcast. The Orange Energy, and just to reiterate what we're all about, the podcast, Orange Crushing It, is about high drive, accomplished, and influential contributors. They're all making a difference in the world and tapping into that energy, tapping into that space, which is inherent to every single human being. And today, I have somebody that is not just a friend, but he's becoming a mentor to me as well. Great instructor, somebody who is incredibly having some amazing influence on my life this year. My guest today is Sean Callagy. And Sean is an entrepreneur, a speaker, philanthropist, and one of America's top trial attorneys. He's also created some really cool peak performance technologies. For 23 years, he's been co-creating a diverse variety of unique successes. Sean was one of the only two attorneys out of over a million two attorneys in America to achieve two top 100 national jury verdicts. And he's collected, got over $350 million on behalf of his healthcare clients. Uh, he started a 40-year law firm a little over a year ago, well, actually when he was in his 20s, and grew this. Now he's Calgary Law has got over 100 lawyers in over five states. He is the founder of his foundation, the Calgary Christian Foundation, and Sean is just incredible. His newest and latest venture is called Unblinded, where he teaches integrity-based human influence. This is how I've known Sean probably more so than in the past. And uh, it's an incredible, effective way to guide someone from hello to, to yes. He's integrating all of this into the business community, to personal development space. It's a massive, massive growth. On top of that, Sean is legally blind and still is an unbelievable adventure warrior. Uh, he skis triple black diamond runs. He's surfed in hurricanes. He surfs every single day. And he's actually run with the bulls. Now, I don't even run with the puppies all that well. <laughs> The only thing I tend to run is my mouth. <laughs> so I can't even imagine being legally blind and running with the bulls and doing this crazy shit that you do, Sean. Welcome to my show. And <laughs> dude, you're, you're inspiration, brother. Well, Frank, thank you very much. Uh, I think triple black diamonds was a fun phrase coined uh, by a gentleman on Tony Robbins stage. I, I think they're they're double blacks, but he made them into triple blacks, I guess, in advancements. I do see some crazy double blacks as well, but we just have a lot of fun, brother. And I, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And you, Frank, from the day I heard you, you were an inspiration to me. Your energy, your desire, your fun uh, is like so present all the time. And I say this, that folks belong or in the right space listening to uh, Mr. Orange, Frank Clark. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Uh, we definitely have a similar type of energy and drive. Again, it's been great being part of your unblinded movement and learning the formula. Hey, for our listeners, I know I you know, touched on your bio a little bit, but why don't you tell a little bit about what you do and you know, what inspires you to get going every single day and how you actually 
maintain and have that orange drive for success and that want and desire to help others have the greatest quality of life that they can possibly have. Yeah, thanks, Frank. So at, at one point in my life, wanting to be an example of possibility for my children is what drove me. And my children now 16, 18, and 20. And of course, that is very much still present. And just one of my kids had a challenge last night. And you know, my, my much of their childhood there was spent training, developing, leading them in life, sports, fun. You know, they, they scuba dive. Uh, Frank, I had my three, four, and six-year-old. So my daughter, Emma, was three. She was on my back. Daughter, Courtney, four, holding her hand. Son, Tyler, six, was leading the way as we were between two and 300 yards offshore snorkeling consistently, you know, in their, in their young childhood. And I think back now, somebody could have called like child protective services on me for some of the crazy and fun things that we did, but that was very much my life. And I wanted to be an example of possibility to them. And I still do. Um, had a little bit of opportunity said last night to, to be a dad where they need, you know, in those teenage years, as I'm sure you're well aware of brother, need us a lot less, uh, or they, they would claim to need us a lot less, but probably need us even more. And I had a beautiful opportunity like that. And that certainly drives me. But above that now, I really have connected to, you know, my highest purpose. And I've always been a person of faith in my life. But now I just say simply that, you know, I believe we've all been given talents. It's what I believe. And that we're going to be accountable for them. I'm going to be accountable for them. And I don't want to bury them. I don't want to squander them. I want to expand them and impact as many people as possible in the most meaningful ways. And I just pray and ask for guidance on that every day, what that means. Because what I think it means could be me trying to control it. But I'm finding every day more and more of what that means. And I'm always open to the unattached, the fact that it may change on a dime. But my, my current place and desire is to have the most massive impact I possibly can in all the right places and all the right ways to free people from suffering and challenge. And I think in the capitalist structure, people have a real challenge with the money, the time, and the magic, combining those three forces of life, financial abundance, the time freedom, and the emotional states that they experience. And I've had a privilege to learn a lot about those areas. And I've had gone through a lot of pain myself and still do at times, but I'm very aware of how and why and to share all those things with people. So that's what I'm up to, Frank. That's cool, Sean. And thanks for sharing that. You know, when you talk about money, time, and magic and creating that, you know, obviously monetizing it as well, too. Yeah. You're a person that, and if we could touch on, you know, your partial blindness just a little bit, you weren't born this way. This is something that was degenerative over your lifetime. And I work with a lot of people that we'll call them in their second act, the second chapter of their life, where their self-worth has, was tied to their net worth or their ability to be a great parent. And, and that's a great skill, right? Has reached the point where their children are now moved out. So they're empty nesters or they've been in the same company for 30, 40 years and they've been downsized. And they're at that stage in their life where a lot of them, kind of, I won't say throw the towel in totally, but become so discouraged and floundering, if you will, sad, depressed, and not really understanding where the next chapter of their life can come from. You know, that, that finding that intestinal fortitude to succeed. I mean, you were in school, you were almost a professional baseball player, right? You can share a little bit about that story before you actually, your sight started to go. And yet you didn't look at that as necessarily, well, maybe you did, you know, as a detriment. I'm sure at some level it probably hurt you. I mean, can you walk us through that time in your life? Because I think that's a, that's a pivotal moment. That's one of those micro distinctions you talk about. There is. So I grew up, you know, I have the Miracle Nice jersey, Muhammad Ali over there. I used to have Darrell Rebus over there. It's sitting on this side now. 
1986 for the Mets when the ball rolled through Bill Buckner's legs. And the great- oh, don't remind me. Come on, I'm a Boston guy. You got you to throw that in there, huh? <laughs> I, I, brother, I was Bill Buckner when it happened. I was in 13A at Shea Stadium. That's its own story, crying with tears in my eyes because my life was rooted in athletics. It was rooted in athletics and the hero's journey. When I didn't even know what the hero's journey was, I was a huge fan of James Bond, Batman, still am actually, Luke Skywalker, Star Wars, Robin Hood, you know, the, the underdog succeeding. And that's why I love the Mets. I love the Jets. My family was about underdogs. Miracle on Ice, these are all underdogs. So growing up for me was about doing things people didn't think you could. And my athletic career was uh, baseball, football, uh, wrestling. You know, I was, uh, I was a gifted natural athlete, but I wasn't gifted at you know, naturally at a professional level, like those are things that you have to work really hard at. And even as a little league player, when I was a 10 year old little league all-star in a small town, I wasn't a starter You know, on the little league all-star team. Yes, I made the little league all-star team, but I didn't start. So it wasn't like I was this phenom that everybody would just watch and knew, you know, was like the guy, right? And even as a sophomore in high school, I didn't start varsity. And this, this matters to what I'm up to in the world and to what you're talking about as Mr. Orange and your, your drive, right? So I was very driven to continue to grow and succeed. I had a deep, burning, intense desire where I would think about movies like Vision Quest and Rocky and the things that I was watching people like Muhammad Ali do. And so when there was an opportunity, I was um, a sophomore in high school, a sports psychologist came in and offered a class for $10. I didn't know what sports psychology was, but it seemed like a good idea that this might be something like I believed in something, you know, like I believed in trying things. I believed, I believe that there were unique ways that people could amass their skill sets like Batman, like James Bond, right? Like the miracle on ice, like that's fiction and nonfiction, but these, there was these possibilities that normal people could do extraordinary things, just figuring out a little better or, or seeing something that other people didn't see. I'm blinded. So I went to the course and I just did what the guy said. Most of the people in the class didn't. And they laughed, they joked. The guy said, turn out the lights and start imagining. And Frank, you can imagine, dude, what a bunch of 16-year-old boys are doing and saying in a room when the professor says, or the, the, the teacher leader says, hey, turn out the lights and start imagining. What are you imagining? And of course, the joke, <laughs> right? And I was just like focused, you know? And I'm like, all right, let me just do this. And when I did, and that was this winter before my junior year of high school baseball, actually. And that, that year... It was incredible what happened. I went from a non-starter as a, a sophomore to just like thinking I was Roy Hobbs in the natural. And right. my performance was like that. And it was crazy, crazy. Like I didn't hit a ball over the fence before. And all of a sudden I was hitting home runs all over the place on a field that was 330 down the lines, bigger than Yankee Stadium down the lines, you know, shorter in center field. But, you know, I mean, these are real home runs. And, right. and I was 165 pounds. And so it was like crazy. So I believed at that point that I could do anything and a couple of distinctions I'll skip over that were really impactful about feeling sorry for myself and things that were happening politically and otherwise that I didn't feel like I was treated fairly and wanted to quit, didn't. And those are really valuable stories for a different day. But I, I ended up getting 100 Division I offers going into my senior year of high school. And it was crazy. I was so grateful and thankful for what I was learning and then still screw it up, screw it up my senior year. So there's like a message in all this 
that's also how easy it is for us to screw stuff up even when we start succeeding because we stopped doing the things that got us there. I stopped visualizing. I stopped listening, right? So that was a lesson, footnote. Go to college and I get myself back on track. I actually had, ready for this, Frank? Yeah. I had a higher batting average in the Ivy League Division One as a freshman than I did in my small public school league in high school my senior year. Like, wow. just try to like really grasp that. I hit 350 in the Ivy League as a freshman. I hit 340 my senior year playing in a small public school league. Like, wow. Ridiculous. Like, there's no logical explanation for that except emotion, right? And psychology. So, yeah, go through my college career, have a great college career with some meaningful bumps in terms of my performance that were, again, related to mindset and energy. Story for a different day. But to really get specifically to what you're asking, as I was in college, I was starting to have the beginnings of my vision deterioration affect my performance. And the hardest day of my athletic life was at West Point. My senior year, I was unanimous captain. I was the leader. Nobody worked harder. Nobody cared more. Nobody was more selfless, right? That's what I stood for. And we're in Army, West Point, and we're up two runs and a fly ball gets hit to me in the outfield. I don't see it. The ball hits the ground, the bases are loaded, three runs score, and we lose the game. In my life, there's never been a moment where I felt more selfish, where I despised myself more, and felt more sorry for myself all at the same time. I felt like I didn't belong out there, that I should have just been designated hitting, that I had been selfish, and I knew there were risks I wasn't going to see the ball, and I was scared the ball would be hit to me. And I was, I was athletic, brother. I was fast. I had a strong arm. I mean, but I knew there's a chance I wouldn't see a ball. And it was starting to happen. Like just, it was like one in a hundred chance. But like, that's not a, a risk that you can give your team. I mean, it's just right. that level. There's just no way, right? That's what happened. And so based upon not just that moment, but that dynamic and its impacts in a couple other spots, that led to the scout that told me unquestionably I was getting drafted, that I wasn't going to get drafted. And I... I think the number was nine, nine players that I had played and started with during college ended up getting drafted, you know, guys that were seniors when I was a freshman, all the way to freshman when I was a senior. And, um, you know, I was better than a good bunch of them as a player naturally in my, well, my developed skill sets. With my vision, I ended up not getting drafted. And it was on, on June 1st, 2nd, 3rd of 1992, I sat by my phone knowing it wasn't going to ring, praying it would. Like it was just this like, morning for those three days of everything I had ever believed I would be. Because Frank, I had no idea what I was going to be. All I cared about was sports. I went sure. to class, never went to class. I got B's and I was a political science major. I was a pretty smart guy and I could write papers and do things and, and get through and get by. But I didn't want to study. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a business person. I want to be an athlete. I want to teach, coach, lead people. Because I thought athletics was the model to shape our life. So brother, when it happened, devastated and heartbroken. Today, I look at it as the greatest gift in the world that I was never drafted and all those things happened. I can't imagine. And I think we all have a point in our life where we look at it, you know, and we've had disappointment. It may not be necessarily as a grand scale like that. Okay, but we all have some point in our life. I mean, that's really what defines our life, right? Is there's the event that happens to us and then there's the meaning we attach to it. And the meanings are changeable the events are not, but the events are always in the past. You know, we can't change them. Forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past and recognizing that it will never change. But the change happens when we decide to change the meaning we put to things. 
And that's one of the things I'm highly impressed with you about is that no matter what obstacle gets thrown at you, you can certainly take the easy way out and say, well, I'm blind. It's easy for you to do this because I'm, I mean, 50% of the blind population is unemployed because it's difficult with some employers. And I know you're working to fix this, right? It's a challenge for employers to want to hire people that are blind or you know, legally blind or partially blind. And so they could attach an incredible meaning to that event that would be life debilitating. It would be, it would be an entire life of remorse, an entire life of sadness, an entire life of regret. And yet you're through, especially through unblinded and the things you're teaching, you're changing the way people attach meanings to their events. And that's one of the things I'm highly impressed with you and one of the things I'm, I'm blessed to work with you on. One of the other things, Sean, that you talk about, and I'd love for you to explain a little bit more, are the micro distinctions that you look, you know, you talk about level five hearing as part of the formula, which is your program about human-based integrity and getting to yes through influencing people through integrity. You talk about how we tend to disregard the tiny little micro distinctions, the micro changes that we can do that have exponential power in our lives, exponential growth potential, exponential explosion of great things. And when I first heard you talk about it, it actually took a little while to sink in. Like, what do you mean by micro distinction? What do you mean by micro change that creates such grandiose change in life? What would that look like? And can you explain that a little bit to the audience there? Yeah. So something I've adopted in saying, and I work with this in language and it fits into the concept of micro distinction, is that now, because I, I, there's a lightning bolt on my hat for a reason. And a lot of my life has been built on drive and effort and like push through, right? That portion of ourself is essential. You know, like there are moments when we have to pull that out. And brother, you have that. Like you, you stand for that. The lightning bolt on my hat unblinded, like it stands for that disruption, right? Waking through, you know, at the same time, I think is a balance, an important balance of where to put that and when to pull that out, as well as when to, to be in a state of ease and flow. And you bring that too. You have all your fun energy. It's beautiful, magical, it's flowing, right? For me in a space, I, I say now, like, this is brand new. This is like my own life vision and my operational life system is that I co-create simple, fun, and magical micro-distinctions in frictionlessness that free exponential abundance, just that free it. Not unlock it, not that make it, like just not free it, right? To flow to me and others. And then, of course, when to protect, to move through something that requires it, then I can throw a lightning bolt in. I can attach to that drive energy. Otherwise, I'm looking to be in flow and consistency, massive consistency, and have fun doing it. And so, setting that context, a micro distinction is just a tiny change that I, I tie to the 80 20 theory. We've all heard the 80 20 theory, but I think sometimes, first, I don't know if we get it at the, the macro level, but like I love it even more, even more at the micro level. And the 80 20 principle, the creator principle, stands for the idea that if you look at patterns of anything, creates 80%. 20% of the input creates 80% of the output. 20% of the input creates 80% of the output. So 20% of what you do, Frank, and everybody does, creates 80% of your money, right? Right. 20% of people create 80% of the stress in your life, aside from you, right? The 20% of the external people are the sources of 80% of your external stress, 20% 20% of cars create 80% of traffic, 
Everything is like that, right? But it becomes more interesting to me, even more interesting. And there's like books written on that, like demonstrating that. Is that there's 20% of 20% creates 80% of the 80%. 20% of that 20% creates 80% of that 80%. So it goes like this. 20% creates 80%. 20% of 20% is 4%. Creates 80% 80%, which is 64%. So 4% creates 64%. 20% of the 4% creates 80% of 80%. So 0.8% creates 52%. So essentially 1% creates half. One more micro distinction from there is 0.16. 20% 80%, 0.16 creates about 42%. 0.16 creates over 40%. So what I say to our team internally, and I haven't brought this language that forward and I'm blinded yet, because we've been focused sort of on other things. And this is sort of a tighter micro distinction, but it's coming, is that we're looking, what I say, for 0.16 screw turns. 0.16 screw turns. And a 0.16 screw turn is like your TV doesn't work. Like you're, you have a $10,000 TV system. Incredible speakers, unbelievable TV, 3Ds and virtual reality, whatever you have, right? All this crazy stuff. But if you don't have a battery in it and a remote, like you can't turn it on. Right. Like just that, that's a 0.16 screw turn. These micro distinctions. It's like, I just need like, you know, something. And yeah, okay. So you know, right now, Frank, and everybody out there knows that there's one key relationship dynamic, an avatar that's out there that's going to lead to a, like, a 5X in the number of new sales meetings you have for Mr. Orange, the number of sales meetings you have for your other beautiful companies. And what a lot of us just don't do is we're buried in the other 80%. We're buried even in the 20%. I'm looking for the 0.16% now. What's that one micro distinction? And then within that, like when we're in that, like, so for example, for us, I knew that if I was running, and this is like true example, right? I knew when, when, COVID hit and lockdowns were happening, that this was going to be, I thought it was going to be even more challenging than it has been. It's been challenging. I thought it was going to even get crazier. I thought there could be easily civil unrest. There has been civil unrest, but I mean like civil unrest, not because of the murder that occurred, but because of lack of food. I, you know, I saw, I, I think it's amazing how well we fared to this dynamic in many ways. So I thought it was going to be even crazier. And I'm like, when I say, or you say, Hey, I'm really good at doing something like you're, you know, you're a brilliant entrepreneur. Awesome. things you've done. People hear that all the time. How do you, how do you unblind people to it? How do you convey that? So that was the distinction I was solving for. How do you solve that faster? So people get it just more rapidly and more efficiently. And I was asking myself, asking myself, asking myself, right. And then I'm like, you know what? It's experiential. I had some frameworks for that. And I'm like, yeah, like I need to create something that I don't need to, I, I can create something to free the truth of what my skill sets are and, and influence. And that became the real raw. And then within it, in the beginning, it was like, people were telling me, you know, it's not going to work and it'll be boring and who's going to want to watch. I'm like, you're not getting it. It's not about who's watching. We'll figure out who's watching later first, which can unblind the people on it. That's what we're doing. You get it? Because we're going to create ecosystem partners. We're going to create people coming into our programs. What better way? to do it than that, have people experience what we're talking about. I just kept asking, how do you make this better? How do you make them see it more? And it became me and one person, then me and two people, then me, two people participating and a judge, me and three judges, then me, three judges and a role player, then me, three judges, role player, and Vivian introducing, you've been that beautiful role player, thank you. 
And, and we're still innovating. All of those, Frank, are examples of 0.16 returns. It's staying within the frame and, and being unattached. This is the key to the reality that there's not something better than the real raw to unblind people to what we're doing, right? And then it's like, oh, another point with this is what if we end up creating licensing agreements with the real raw? What if we run a thousand real raws a day all over the world? Like that started with asking a very specific question of what are we doing in Corona with no live events? So how do we unblind people to what we're doing? Webinars, podcasts, what everybody's doing, like we do something better, right? I love webinars, podcasts. Thank you, I'm doing podcasts as well. But is there something more, like something more efficient? And those were the micro distinctions that all of those are just simple distinctions in innovation within a framework that keep making it better and keep making it better and keep making it better. And some people would say to do those innovations much more spaced. What I did is I innovated daily. I literally decided that for months, I was going to get up an hour earlier and we eventually got to doing 6 a.m. calls of one hour innovation on the things we were doing. And we're innovating on real raw daily. So this is like compressed timeline of innovation to get to where we are, but they're all micro distinctions. So I will pause. And that's what I mean by micro distinctions, small inputs, small things you do that keep creating way more benefit. Make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense to me. And as a participant in real raw, and for our listeners, just a little bit more explanation about that. You know, the, the scenario in a real raw is is taking people through a, a getting to yes influence process where one person plays a role of how they met the people that are trying to influence them. And then for three to six minutes, these people actually go through a process of influence and try their best to influence the role player. And then there are judges there who score them on a scale of one to 10. And then Sean drops in with his input on it as well, which is always magical and incredible. And these things last about an hour. They're incredible shows. I've learned so much and I appreciate the opportunity to participate in them as well. And so, you know, as a plug here, you know, if people get a chance to check out the Real Raw and the Unblinded Movement, please do so. Because if you get a chance to even just to participate, it puts you on the spot. And you're right. It's not just another webinar. It's not just another Zoom call. It's not another mastermind. It's an opportunity to test your own skills in real time, unrehearsed, unpracticed, and real. And that's why it's called the Real Raw, because there is no scenario that you know, you can prep for in advance, which yeah. makes it exciting, right? I mean, it's the things that scare the shit out of you. The things that scare the heck out of me are the things that are the most fun, really, on the other side of it, right? After you actually do it, after you go ziplining, after you go jump out of an airplane, after you go scuba diving, after you <laughs> run with the bulls, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, those are the things, right? Yeah, absolutely, brother. And if I could drop in here, I think this is maybe the most value I can just, you know, impart today is most people horizontally innovate and not vertically. And that's my own language, right? So horizontal innovation to me is like you have a, a marketing system. Like, so let's say you have your podcast, Frank, right? Right. And then you decide at some point your podcast, uh, let's say, isn't producing the outcome you'd like. And so somebody may do a podcast, you get some support. Hey, here are the, the idea, do podcast, great do podcast, awesome do it for a period and then go not working the way I'd like it to. Let me try something else. Okay. That's horizontal innovation. Bounce off of the thing to the next thing. Right. Yeah. Vertical innovation is consistently looking at what can we do with the thing? So let's say it's the Mr. Orange podcast. So the question would be, right. What are all the aspects to it? Well, there's like guests that are on it. 
There's the messaging around it. There's how it's announced and shared out in the world. There's call to actions after it. There's like how many people are on it. Like there's what you do within it and on and on and on. And these are all elements to it. So in the space of vertical innovation, by consistently taking time to challenge our assumptions within a thing, right? And to ask, hey, what lever can I pull to like create exponentially more value right now? And to set time up to think that way, that is the space of vertical innovation, space of micro distinctions. This, all these are the same words, micro distinctions, vertical innovation, they're all related, right? 0.16 screw turn is a micro distinction, a little input that creates literally, well, I mean, what is 0.16 to 50%, right? Yeah, to 40 plus percent. So if you think of 0.16 to get to from 0.16, 10 times 0.16 is 1.6. 10 times that is 16% year, 100x. So you're looking at 300x is if you put in 0.16 effort and get, you know, even 40 is return, 0.16 to 40 is like 300 ish X, right? It's, it's a tremendous multiple or 250 X ish. That's what we're looking for. Where's the places we could put in and get 250 X out. And the thing final, and I'll pause with this Frank, and kick it back to you, brother. Let's see thinking this is the place that stops us from doing that is when we think of what the 0.16 return is, we don't do it because we're scared. We're scared it won't work. We're scared we'll get rejected. So we just don't do it. So keep doing the 80% that isn't the real value because of what people say, because of their judgment, because of their, the nonsense, because we think it's just not going to work. We think we'll be embarrassed. We don't do those things. And brother, I'll, I'll just say this final, final. One of the scariest effing things I ever did in my life was when I decided that Date With Destiny, we had, we had already broken a record in um, how many people got enrolled into Platinum at Business Mastery Las Vegas. For, for that Las Vegas. And then I still wasn't fully myself. And I said, one more 0.16 screw turn. I'm going to engage the crowd the way I do. I'm going to step up and not be somebody who is just playing a role. I'm going to be me. And I'm going to engage this crowd, which is not the space that people typically step into on Tony's stage, in service of him, in service of the audience. These people, I'm going to step up and do that. It completely transformed what happened afterwards in terms of people stepping into the platinum partnership, which was what we were there to unlock for them and free for them to, for, to free for them. That was in another example of a 0.16 screw turn that I was scared shitless to step into. Was I going to offend anybody, step on anybody's toes? Was I going to, were people going to make fun of me and like, who's that guy I think he is? And I just had to say, I don't effing care, man. Like, like, because I'm here to serve people. I'm not here to protect myself from a judgment of another. What say you brother? Well, Sean, I was at that business mastery and I can tell you that it was a phenomenal presentation that you did. Of course, not knowing that you weren't polished at this, not knowing that this is, you know, something you're stepping into that 0.16 screws turn. We tend to compare ourselves to other people. We tend to compare our start point to other people's halfway point. And when we look at that 80% like you're talking about, and unfortunately, like you, like you said, it's not the 80% that gets us there. It's that 20% and the 20% of the 20%. It is small turns. You know, the, the phrase that's going around now is biohacking, right? And to me, that's like just a fancy way to say shortcut and yeah. whatever you're doing, right? And, and yes, there's a lot of cool tools in biohacking. And when people ask me what my favorite biohacking technique is, what I say is consistency. Whatever the hell you're going to do, just do it consistently. Do it every single day, right? You're real raw, starts with two people, 
then turns to 10 people, then turns to 100 people, right? It's consistency of doing it every single day. It's consistently, if you're going to work a muscle, it doesn't happen in one workout, right? It's every single day. It's 30 minutes. It's three good meals a day. It's, you know, rest your body. It's those little micro distinctions, but consistently done that produce the amazing results, right? I felt like quitting and not doing the real raw at least half of those days, at least half, right? Sure. And just being like, you know, I, I have other choice of my time. So I was challenging, hey, is this really a 0.16 screw turn? Should I even be doing unblinded? Is this the life I really want? Like all those questions come up. Do I really want my schedule filled? Because I lived my life for years with a completely empty schedule, do whatever I want. You know, like, so like we all have these questions, these challenges, you know, are people judging me? Are people, of course they're judging me. They're judging you. They're judging everybody, right? Yeah. So, like, and it's not like who cares F them. It's as long as, hey, we receive feedback on whatever we're receiving and we decide what we're going to do with it, but not to avoid because we're afraid. Like, Frank, you have such a beautiful mission to serve this world with. Each and every person here has a beautiful mission to serve this world with. And we're not above or below each other. Like, there's nobody above me or below me, above you or below you, Frank. I know you know that. Everybody. And it's just in that space. Like, that's the mess that we get ourselves into. And I'm not perfect in it. You know, that still comes up for me. But I'm like, oh, yeah, there you are. Like, oh, that, that cute thought of like, wow, I, I put together a 13-hour day today. And then the thought of what the F are you doing, dude? Like, go surfing. I'm like, oh, there's that cute thought. But yeah, I've committed to consistency in a process because I'm creating something and I'm serving back to our why. I'm serving, not bearing to my talents. That's why today looks like it does. What a gift. How beautiful, how incredible. Because six months ago, I would have dreamed of having today's schedule in the continuum. And six months from now, my schedule will not look like that. But that's how this journey is going to work. And Frank, brother, your message on consistency is the message. And I couldn't agree more with it. Well, thanks, Sean. And, and again, you're an example of consistency, right? It's that one sixteenth screw turn that makes all the difference. But again, doing it all, all over and over and over and over again. Hey, to finish up on the show here, you're a guy of massive achievement. And I know sometimes when I listen to podcasts and I think, well, one of my biggest mentors, one of your mentors, Tony Robbins, and we look at this guy's running 50 companies and he's got all kinds of things going on. And the guy just never seems to sleep or take a break or you, know, you see him live in a show, in a performance or a, at a seminar. And he's on stage for 14, 15 hours. It's like, oh my God, how does this guy even have balance in his life? That's the thing that comes away from it. It's, it's easy for somebody else, right? You look at all these highly accomplished people and sometimes it, as just fear creeps in, go, I can't do that. Lucky for them, they've already put 20 years invested into this. I can't get there. You know, or if I did that, I wouldn't have a family. My wife would divorce me. My kids would leave me. I wouldn't have to, I, my health would suck, right? So as an accomplished guy and somebody that gets things done and somebody who's a great dad also spends time with that, how do you maintain balance in your life? What keeps you focused on ensuring, making sure that you take care of all the aspects of your life? So I think you said perfectly the right phrase, balance in your life. Because I don't believe in balance in your day. I don't believe in balance in your week. I don't believe in balance in your month. I believe in balance in your life. 2020, I consciously chose as a year of uh, balance towards building abundance and the building of me and what I'm up to in the world. And it has compromised time. For fun. It does. It does compromise time for relationship. It does compromise time 
with my kids, except they compromised the first because they became teenagers. So it's all good because <laughs> they're because they're like it doesn't actually compromise that time because they're it's like chasing them herding cats to do stuff together. So it doesn't even impact that time. And I actually consciously chose this period of my life when I knew they would be in that space to do this. So my answer is we can create so much acceleration in a year, as Tony would say, or two. And what I'm doing right now is I'm building this. And my intention, brother, my intention is by 2022 that I'm blind they will be operating in a way that I don't even need to appear anywhere. Like that's what I'm doing. And that's how I built Calgary Law. And I'm taking Calgary Law up at the same time as I'm blinded. And so there's pieces that are required from me right now. And I'm already looking to replace myself in those pieces. And I swear to God, these words are true. A minute ago, when you're speaking about balance, this is how I always think in innovation. So I'm in such, a, such an innovative state. I'm like, you know what? Huh. It would be beautiful abundance to have somebody managing partnerships in my life, right? Leading the partnerships in my life. And I, I had three thoughts of who, like three different who's, literally. So that's how I'm thinking because I'm doing much of that right now. And that's a space I want to replace myself in. So for all of us, I offer you this. The road to your dreams is by choosing to hyper-focus on different areas at different times and create agreements in your other areas. So, you know, in my relationship, I have a beautiful relationship with Mona and we're, we're like clear on what we're doing right now. She's beautifully supporting and understanding that 13 hours a day right now, I'm rocking. And this is what it looks like with the promise that it'll change in the future and not an empty promise because I've lived that. I've... Frank, I had the privilege of taking three months at a time off completely disconnected from my office with no communication. That's a space in making, you know, beautiful multiple seven-figure income. And that's something that I think I never thought was possible. And the ability to, and, and I had the times where I focused on my kids for years, brother, that that was 80% of the focus of my life was my children for years. Every day at three o'clock, I could pick them up from school. Every day I took them to school. And at three o'clock on, we did sports stuff and team stuff and fun stuff. You know, I'm so thankful I did. And like, so I build like for each next phase. This phase right now is the building of Unblinded, right? This is what we're doing. The building of my platform, my identity, my sharing it on a larger scale. That's what's happening. And that is going at the end of 2020. I'm going to evaluate where that is. 2021 will probably will still be intense, but it'll be less intense in 2020. There'll be some more fun. And by the way, I still have fun. Like I'm not eliminating fun, just a lot less time and fun. 2022 is going to be a year where I have a lot of fun. Like that's how I'm thinking of my future. So it's like life balance, not moment to moment balance. And I trust the process now because I've done it. And I, I can tell you folks, it, the only way you know that doesn't work for you, back to what we talked about earlier, is if when your 0.16 screw term comes up, you're too afraid and don't do it. And then you'll be stuck forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in the building of something that will never get built because you're afraid. So I leveraged myself going, dude, I only got to the end of 2020 to do this, right? That's all I'm giving myself. So I got to do it now. That's it. That's a great analogy. A great analysis of, again, balance of life, right? And like you said, it's not balance of a day. Sometimes you're fully committed into getting stuff done. And that's, you know, again, in the big picture of things though, and that's, again, how I think people need to look at things is what they can create in years, what they can create in a five-year plan, a three-year plan, even the rest of this year plan, you know, yeah. map it out and get it done. Sean, 
I got to tell you, this has been a great interview. I really, really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your insights. I appreciate your knowledge and your mentorship. How can people get a hold of you? How can people get involved in Unblind and learn the formula, you know, participate in the real raw? How can people find you yeah. moving forward? Listen, just come to unblindedhuddle.com, unblindedhuddle.com. Check out what we're doing there. Also, you can send us or seek information on the Unblinded website or the Real Raw. We're, we're looking for people who get that this can accelerate your business by hosting, joining, participating. We're not looking to do anything like that yet. We're not even offering that opportunity yet. Just come on as a judge. Check it out. You're going to see what we're up to in the world. We're building relationships to what we're doing. So, and- I can totally vouch for it. So totally vouch for it. One last question, Sean, before we go. Would you ever run with bulls again? I think I want to do it. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, brother. So I'll, I'll give you two. Do you surf, Frank, or no? No, I learned how to surf in Hawaii for a little bit. I lived in California for a while, but no, surfing, I'm not a good surfer, but I would do it again. I so you want, to get some, you want to have the fastest, easy fix of adrenaline and uncertainty. Surfing provides, waves provide, super easy. I think even safer than running with the bulls. Would I run with the bulls again? Probably not. I think it was a once in a lifetime experience. Quite frankly, Nicole Maiello, executive assistant, dear friend, she was the the creator of that opportunity was her desire and dream. And she was much braver than I was in that entire process. It was crazy. It is straight up dangerous. So straight up dangerous. I am not recommending that anybody does it. I'm not, not recommending it. You want adrenaline, you will have adrenaline and you will not be only afraid of bulls. You'll be afraid of getting stampeded by crowds of people, drunk, crazy, insane. It is a once in a lifetime, unbelievable experience. So for me, probably not a second time, but if you've never checked it out, I will promise you this. You have never seen anything like Pamplona, Spain in the middle of running with the bulls. The entire experience is totally wild and crazy, full of adrenaline. So Frank, I hope you get there, brother. I'll have to check the box. <laughs> sure. Thanks again, man. Thanks for embodying the orange energy. Thanks for being part of Orange Crushing It. And looking forward to more stuff that you're doing in the future. My pleasure, man. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orange Crushing It. Hope you're fired up to take on your week with unstoppable energy. Hey, if you like the broadcast, please subscribe, share it with your best buds, and please write a badass review. You can also reach me at themrorange.com. Stay inspiring, all. <laughs>